really exciting. I love this part of the week because Cruzanne McCalligan joins us for our midweek audio column. Cruz, how are you doing? Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, it's great to be back on. As always, I'm in a great mood. I'm really enjoying Hong Kong's cooler temperatures at the moment. Yes. Well, cooler. <laughs> Pro- practically Arctic. It's, but, um, it's yeah. autumn time. And, and yeah, it I is. feel a bit, yeah, it does feel a bit cooler. And it'll get even cooler. When I read it was going to be below 20 degrees in the morning, I thought, wow, time to <gasps> bust out the scarves. Wow, is that, yeah. Grab your much. puffer jacket. <laughs> Um, so but yes, funny. none of this has anything to do with what I'm talking about today. So, so what I have apologize. you got for us uh, this afternoon? Okay, so um, I was, well, while I was thinking of what we were going to talk about, I was fiddling with my a paperclip on my desk. And I realized that maybe that would be quite an interesting thing to talk about. I was like, I wonder if there's anything interesting about paperclips. Yeah, I love paper clips and it's a, it's a st- staple in, in my stationery drawer. It, you know, it feels, it feels empty without it. And you'll always look for paper clips. If you don't have yep. it, you'll always want to look for it. Anyway, uh, over to you. Tell us all well, about paper that's clips. That's exactly it. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the office and, um, uh, in the office, someone said to me, Oh, do you have any paper clips? And I was like, Oh, and I didn't. And I couldn't believe I didn't. <sighs> Because you just always have them, you know, but I guess through the last couple of years, I'd used them up and I didn't have any. And um, so I had to go buy some. And it was just quite a funny one of those moments. And then I was also reading an article written by a designer in Hong Kong who was talking about, um, like, you know, designs that have withstood the test of time. And he mentioned the paperclip. And it kind of made me think that's a really interesting thing to think about. So I wanted to do a bit of research into it. And I wanted to talk about it today. Um, it's going to get a little bit philosophical. <laughs> I love it. Um, but it's pretty amazing. So we have historical. Now, of course, a paperclip, it's in the name, right? Flipping together paper. Like they weren't really going out, out on a limb there with how they called it. But um, when we talk about... Um, fastening papers together, we have historical references as early as the 13th century. Now, of course, you realize that before we could fasten together paper, we needed to have invented paper. The paper, yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so obviously, they, you know, just to keep that in mind. So, of course, we have these references as early as the 13th century, which during this time, people put ribbon through parallel incisions in the upper left corner of pages. And then later people started to wax the ribbons to make them stronger and easier to undo and redo. And that's the way people clipped papers together for the next 600 years. <laughs> Whoa. That, right? that kind of reminds me of the primitive version of the paperclip. Is it the green sort of string with the, with the metal Oh, ends? I know what you mean. Yes, yes, yes. It's like a, yeah, it's like a little, um, none of it, we're not using the right words, are we? It's like a green string with like a little barbell on the end. Yeah. Right? Yes. yes. I know, see, I'm not, this is not the correct word. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So that's kind of kind of like that idea. But I guess this was almost like you were sewn into the corner. You, you had some little incisions and you put your ribbon through the incision to keep everything together. Now, in 1835, if we skip ahead, there was a New York physician um, called John Ireland Howe who invented the machine for mass producing straight pins. This is kind of like if you think of a hairpin or just a double prong pin. Right now, this became a very popular way to fasten papers together, although they were not originally designed for that purpose. Straight pins were designed to be used in sewing and tailoring and to temporarily fasten cloth together, which makes sense, right? Because the kind of material you have. Now, it wasn't until um, it wasn't until 
1899 that a man called Johan Wahler, who was a Norwegian inventor with, a, with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics, invented the paperclip. Now, this is the person inventing the paperclip for what we know of as the paperclip. And um, he was an employee at a local invention office when he created the paperclip. So he wasn't, it wasn't even his job to go out there and think of a better way to fasten, to fasten um, paper together. Um, he just had this idea for creating the paperclip. And if you look at his paperclip, he did, a, he did patent the design in Germany, even oh. though he was in Norway, because he ha Norway had no patent laws at the time. This was 1899. Um, and then he received, a few years later, he received an American patent. And the patent abstract says, so this is what it was filed as, it says it consists of forming same of a spring material, such as a piece of wire that is bent to a rectangular, triangular, or otherwise shaped hoop, mm. the end parts of which wire piece form members or tongues lying side by side in contrary directions. And I implore someone to create a poem out of that patent abstract because it is really interesting to hear a paperclip described in that way. Um, I think it's quite beautiful, actually. Um, and then, of course, we, we, we skip ahead. Now, he patented this and everything else. Now, we skip ahead, and the paperclip that we kind of all know and love today um, was manufactured by a company called Gem Manufacturing. And that was the, um, in England, and that was the first designed the double oval-shaped standard paperclip. Um, and that's still referred to as the gem clip, which I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea that that's the gem clip, um, which is quite interesting. Now, we gem as in? Uh, G-E-M. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The gem clip. Interesting. Um, but it is very interesting when we think about the paperclip in terms of, like, that's a little bit about its history. Um, we do see some interesting things in its history in terms of how it was used in different ways. Um, I was pretty amazed to see that it was used in protest during World War II, um, which is so interesting. So Norwegians were prohibited from wearing any buttons with the likeness or initials of their king on them. And in protest, they started wearing paperclips because paperclips were a Norwegian invention whose original function was to bind together. Oh, so this was a protest what? That's against symbolic. the Nazi. Yes, really symbolic. It was a protest against the Nazi occupation and wearing a paperclip could have gotten them arrested. I mean, it's amazing. Isn't that just such a symbol of yeah. kind of defiance and unity? And unity. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, I'm binding just, together. It, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of made my heart flutter. I was like, wow, what a story. Um but when we think about it in terms of design circles, it has been somewhat fetishized. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, like, people in design will talk about how it's just an incredibly elegant, simple design. It's spare, machined, aesthetic, and what they refer to as its inexpensive ubiquity. Like, you can probably find a paperclip. You would walk past a paperclip on the road or in, you know, anywhere. It would be on the floor somewhere, and you wouldn't even think twice about it. Mm. But it's... A, piece of actual design like genius and it won a spot in the MoMA 2004 show Humble Masterpieces. However, not everyone agrees. Not everyone thinks it is this incredible feat of engineering and there was a design critic called Michael Beirut who responded with an essay called To Hell with the Simple Paperclip, which means he had a real axe to grind. Rather rude. What did he have yeah. to say? Uh, well, he argued that designers praise 
supposedly unauthored objects like the paperclip because they're loath to choose between giving publicity to a competitor or egotistically touting their own designs. So he was like, of course you chose the paperclip because none of you can say anyone else was better than you and you can't say that you were as good as anything else. So basically they're like, oh, let's go back in history, the paperclip, guys. Let's just talk about the paperclip. Now he might be right. There's a lot of ego involved in that arena, but he's, he's wrong about the paperclip because it's really not that simple. Um, and of course, most everyday objects that we have, like our keys or our books or our phones, they have evolved in time in incremental ways. And in the 20th century in particular, um, we've revolutionized, streamlined, streamlined, technologized the majority of the things that we hold in our hands in the course of an average day. If you look around you, I've got sunglasses next to me, I've got my phone next to me, I've got my car keys next to me. All of these things have changed monumentally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These simple Mm -hmm. objects. But if you could step into an office in 1895, so you would have walked past horse-drawn buses and rows of wooden telephone switchboard cabinets, you would still find a perfectly recognizable shiny silver paperclip sitting on a desk. Yes, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Um, So then it's really interesting when you think, you know, why is it that it's stuck with us for so long? Like, you know, over a century later, um, you know, it's, it's still there ready to perform the same task. It's still there most of the time to put pieces of paper together to keep them together. Um, Well, Of course, before the paperclip, as we said, there was paper. And when it was developed in China in the first century AD, paper was made from cotton and linen. Um, but, you know, this is actually what we, which we do still do today, but like money, money would be most, some currencies anyway, would be made of cotton and linen. But this kind of rag paper was very expensive to produce. So it was primarily reserved for permanent writing and sewn into bound volume. So when we talk about the beginning of paper, it wasn't something everybody had. It was reserved for just, uh, you know, the echelons of society. Um, and so it took a while. And of course, if we look back to temporary writing, so if we go back to like ancient Sumeria or, or Pompeii, um, where people were writing things down temporarily, they were doing it um, in clay or on wax tablets that could be wiped clean and reused, right? So we didn't have paper in that way. Now, in the 19th century, um, wood pulping and industrial paper mills made um, inexpensive paper really widely available and that meant the rise of commerce and bureaucracy and literacy and it trans you know translated into masses of loose sheets of paperwork um and of course the person who is most responsible for the creation and the care of all this paperwork was the clerk like we have the advent of the office worker essentially um so the clerk um was a creature of kind of uncertain status someone who had kind of middle class respectability but lacked that managerial responsibility and they you know they were kind of just you think of like Bob Cratchit, the father in A Christmas Carol, Tiny Tim's dad, you know, working endless hours for a thankless boss, just pushing papers around, literally being a paper pusher. You know? um, and these clerks were surrounded by papers that had to be sorted into cubby holes um, or tied into bundles with string. Now, this is why I find the paperclip so fascinating. So there was this kind of urgent but essentially meaningless work with papers like you imagine people they're in their cubbies right and they've got these tall cubby offices where they've got cubby 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 in front of them they're almost boxed in by cubby holes because they need cubby holes to be able to sort papers together right to group those papers okay so they have this boxed in thing they can't see out anything um you know they can't see any daylight essentially 
And then we get the advent of the paperclip. And suddenly the paperclip is doing that job for you. You know, the pin, the, the iron pin of the paperclip, you'll be able to put your papers together. You don't have to have a 100 cubbies surrounding you. And suddenly you have an open desk and you can see the light because the paperclip has shouldered the burden of that work. So in a way, it's completely revolutionized the working environment as well because you don't need to have access to all these cubby holes and be boxed in anymore because you can just have them in boxes or on your desk and you don't need to because you'll know they're all grouped together with a paperclip. Exactly. Isn't that kind of an amazing idea? What a nifty <clears throat> little invention. But, you know, we are, uh, Cruz, you have to admit, we are stationary nerds. We love all <laughs> things. To, we're like, yes, look at this lovely little paperclip holding things together, binding and... <laughs> um, just out of curiosity, though, Cruz, when you buy your paperclips, do you buy the sort of the silver ones or do you buy the colourful ones or, or do you have a sort of preference in the shape that the ones that we have at RTHK are the triangular ones? Oh, that's um, a classic. Yeah, that's, that's a classic, classic one. Paperclip. The one that I have at home is the is sort of elongated, the oval ones. I mean, do, do you mm. have a, a personal preference? Um, I think I think um, I, I prefer a classic triangle. Mm. Um, currently in my office, we're sporting, I would almost say a rose gold tinted oh, wow. paperclip, actually, yeah. That's I mean, it was fancy. bought from the supermarket, but it does seem very fancy. Um, and But it, it's funny how they can have those little varieties in them, and we lose an appreciation for those little details of variation. You know, do you remember being at school and, like, coming across, like, a giant paperclip or a really tiny paperclip? Yes. Um, you know, and that feeling of being like the novelty of it, the discovery of it. Yeah. Like, wow. But I guess we kind of we kind of lose that sort of thing. Um, but it is it is amazing um, that this happened. Now, if we if we think about like the manufacture of the paperclip, um, it's really interesting because um, what happened was uh, they they found that you know you could get all these people um, making. What enabled it to develop from a, a pin to a clip, so from that initial pin, was a low-cost industrially produced steel, which had the right balance of strength and flexibility to make tracks, pipes, wire, and almost every other piece of 20th century metal infrastructure that we have. So manufacturers could use this new supple steel wire to, to draw in space, making strong, rust-free hooks, safety pins, clothes hangers, and paper clips, right? So that's a kind of an interesting, <clears throat> a really interesting thing. So the paper clip that we think of mostly is an elegant loop with a loop of the, the springy steel wire, right? So um, they realize that you can have a whole bunch of people making these, um, like, in different in different. Um, in different manufacturing stages. So you could have 10 people, like one person does this, one person bends it, one person does this, and this, and it can actually increase how many you make. So it's kind of interesting in that way. Um, but it is, it is, as I, I said, like it's a symbol. It can also be a symbol for kind of endless drudgery. You know, like the idea of a paperclip, like we do think of it as this quite a boring, bland item. But what is really amazing about them as well is that they can be um, repurposed. There's so many things you can do with a paperclip, right? You know, they they can be twisted and pulled apart and they can be used as tools. Um, You know, people can pick a lock with a paperclip. People can can hack into a phone with a paperclip. I was going to say, to get the SIM card out from the side, sometimes, yeah, you need that little Um, pin. I think I have to say that the times in my life where I felt most like a spy... And this is setting a very low bar, Noreen, <laughs> a very low bar, is when I've seen someone struggling to get a 
SIM card out of a phone and I've passed them my earring to oh, poke yeah. in the hole. I, and I feel a tiny bit cool. I mean, it's a very low bar. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a really good. Um, it's a really good thing. Yeah, I use my earring too. Well, yeah, I, well, yeah, I do. But then I, I'm really careful not to pass it uh, to strangers because I don't want to think, yes, oh, there's yes, some course, gunk yes. on it. Yeah, and they'll be like, yeah. oh, that's yucky. Yeah, totally. It would obviously be someone I knew, <laughs> and I could just pass my earring and be like, try this, as if I was always that smooth. Um, but it, <laughs> but it is really interesting, and there's so many different ways that people talk about using paper clips, and there's whole museum exhibitions devoted to how people have used a paper clip beyond its previous, you know, its its role originally. Um, and um, yeah, it's really funny. It, you know, it's like people would say that you know, it's if you leave a paper clip on a table with someone, it's like human nature that person will pull it apart and stretch it out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we just. We just fiddle with them all the time. Um, but what's very interesting is that the simplicity of the paperclip, as we said, like this was, you know, this has been around for over 100 years. It's become a graphic symbol, even in our digital lives, um, you know, even in, in offices and using our computers. It's more often um, than not encountered as the attachment icon, even today. You know, it, oh, even when yeah. we send an email, we have a we have a paperclip. Um, and so it's really interesting because we're moving toward a kind of paperless society society um and that loop you know the loop in loop kind of little picture of a paperclip might become more familiar in um in two dimensions just in pictures than it will be in, in person but it is so interesting that we still think of it as this way of it's pinning things together it's this simple representation that we can put things together we fasten pieces of paper together we fasten documents ideas anything it's an attachment mechanism and i find that so so interesting mm, totally I, I i just as soon as you said that i was like, Oh yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even attach that meaning to it, but yes, it's just so embedded in our in our in our minds that you know we don't even think twice about it. And the paperclip is the thing that binds even emails together. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I do think, of course, um, I don't think it, I don't know if it exists anymore. I haven't seen it, and I use Microsoft Word all day, every day. But do you remember the little paperclip, clippies, <laughs> little paperclip um, oh. that used to come to life, the animated one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. like years ago. I don't think I've yeah. seen Clippy in a long time. No, I don't think so either. But it's funny because he, he you know, that I'm not going to give it a he or she because it was a paperclip. <laughs> um, it, it. Um, they, they, um, they, they had like a, you know, that their popularity kind of lay in the fact that they were just really this quite bland little item that had come to life. And I think a lot of people working in kind of word processing would have kind of, you know, appreciated that, that he was based on this character. It was a character made from one of the most common, ubiquitous office items you could have. It was a representation of what is an office. An office is paper clips. You know what I mean? That's what work is. Work is putting things together um, and, and then taking them apart and then putting them together again. Um, and I think in that way, it was quite like a revolutionary idea that he had really to be that, that character. And I think he should make a comeback, to be completely honest. I mean, I think what would we replace him with today? Sort of just like quantum atoms or something. 
Um, I, I did find out um, sort of uh, the, the, the green um, stationery thing that we were talking about. They're called treasury tags. The, the oh, green, treasury tags. Yeah, the green string that bind pa- that also binds paper. But yes, it's about the paperclip today. Ha- have you got any paperclip quotes that you can end on, Cruzy? I do, I do. Um, one I just really liked. The um, I just like, and I think I'm going to start using it in my daily life because I think it's a good metaphor and it's by someone called Jim Butcher who said at that moment I was mad enough to chew up nails and spit out paper clips (laughs) 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 so I've felt that way before Jim Um, and then the other um, the other one is from uh, writer Bill Veek who said baseball is the only thing beside the paper clip that hasn't changed Um, which is interesting I don't know that much about baseball maybe he's right (laughs) Well, but um, the, the paperclip really hasn't changed. Exactly. Well, Cruz, I'm so glad you enlightened us uh, this afternoon about the history of paperclip. And you're right. You know, if we step back a few hundred years ago and we were to walk into a, an office space, if, yeah, if they had an office space or, or, or a space yeah. and we saw a paperclip, it'll just be exactly the same as it, it is now. I'm really yeah. glad you shared that. Thank you so much, Cruz. And I look forward to more um, catch-ups with you, more midweek audio columns with you next week. Thank you very much indeed. No worries. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.